Hello, this is Jared. Hi, Jared. This is Jim Martin with the Little Things First podcast. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Sorry we're a little late. We um, had an interview that ran a little long. No, nope, no problem. I've been on that. I've been on the side of that too. Okay, so I'm here with my colleague Tracy Van Deventer. Hello, this is Tracy Van Deventer. <laughs> hey, good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you for taking time to visit with us. No, no problem. So I want to give a little bit of background because you know Tracy and I were planning an Ed Camp and we were going to do it on November second, and then um, we heard about your ed camp that was happening at exactly the same time. And so we decided to um, sort of abandon our effort and join your effort because you seem to be a little further along. Would you tell us a little bit about your ed camp and where this idea comes from? And I know there's probably like three questions in that one question, but. Sure. I can give you a little bit of background. Um, uh, the EdCamp that I'm involved with uh, coming up next month is called EdCamp Utah. Um, it's now in its sixth annual uh, iteration, so we've been doing this since 2014. Um, we've tried to bring together educators, administrators, uh, and other interested parties from across the state of Utah. Um, and our EdCamp is kind of focused uh, here in the Salt Lake Valley, but again, anyone can come that wants to be part of it. We... Uh, if you don't know much about ed camps in general, ed, ed camps are kind of a non-traditional um, conference format in that uh, the difference between an ed camp and a traditional conference is in a traditional conference, when you show up, an agenda is already prepared and there are presenters and sessions that are already uh, in a program of some kind and everyone's kind of knows what they're getting themselves into. and They can sign up for sessions before they even come to the conference a lot of times or kind of predetermine what they're going to uh, learn about that day. Uh, at an ed camp, it's very much a ground, a kind of a grassroots style of uh, professional development, meaning the people who show up actually help us determine what we're going to learn about that day. So an ed camp is uh, a little non-traditional in that uh, when participants show up, we give them the opportunity to write topics on post-it notes of things that they would like to learn about. And then we use those post-it notes to kind of determine the sessions that we'll be running throughout the day. So if you came and you wanted to learn something specific about classroom management, you could write that on a post-it note, and that could potentially be one of the topics that we have coming up sometime during that, uh, that, that day of, of sessions, which is kind of exciting for us because we never know what we're going to get but also really engaging for our audience, the participants, because they help to shape what they're going to learn about. So it's very much something that hopefully they came uh, expecting to learn about something and they're going to find out more about that topic. So that reminds me at times I've uh, been in presentations where the, um, the in instructor or the presenter would start off by saying, why are you here? What do you want to learn? And then from that, yeah. they've taken the information they gathered at the beginning of that session to make sure that the information they shared was really directly impacting and, and addressing those questions. Is that fair to say? It's just that you're on a larger level? Yeah, and, and uh, an example of kind of what you're describing and how it relates to MedCamp is you can imagine that if we're creating sessions kind of on the fly, 
that we're relying on the wisdom of the crowd to help us facilitate that session. Uh, if, if I didn't even know that I was going to be talking about classroom management before today, and I was assigned to the classroom management session to facilitate that, rather than me being kind of the expert, I would be drawing from some of the audience and asking questions to get them to share what they know and some of their practices. So rather than it being kind of a, a traditional conference is more of a sit and get where the expert stands up front and tells you everything they know and you write down what you want to learn. Um, this is very much a discussion where everybody participates and shares their ideas. So is your role then as uh, kind of the conference I don't even know if you can call it a conference, but your role as this EdCamp facilitator, is your role to have people ready to be facilitators, or do people show up not even realizing they're going to be a facilitator? Do you know, one of the, in addition to people posting, um, on, to writing on Post-it notes what they would like to learn about, mm -hmm. people also have the opportunity to write down sessions that they would be willing to facilitate. Um, and so if you are somebody who has a lot of experience with uh, let's say classroom management, mm -hmm. you could put that on a post-it note that you'd be willing to facilitate that session. Now I say that and facilitating, you know, like I say, in a traditional model means that I do most of the talking, but in, in this instance, what we try and get is as much participation from the audience as possible. So a facilitator really is more of a discussion leader than, you know, me pulling out my PowerPoint slides and teaching you all right. about the topic. Right. Tracy knows this about me, but I'm a little bit of a control freak. And um, <laughs> this is scary. <laughs> right. It makes me a little nervous to not know, you know, exactly how things are going to flow for the ed camp. And so does that get a little bit nerve wracking not to know, you know, who's going to be facilitating or what topics you're going to be covering? And, um, yeah. ha ha you know, tell, tell us a little bit about some of your experiences and how that kind of gets addressed. No question. You know, the first time we did this, I will say it was a total leap of faith because here we've got, we had 120 people who showed up and we had no idea whether we were going to have sessions. You know, I mean, we kind of had thought, okay, well, here's the things that we could do as the conference kind of organizing committee. We, we had a few of those things, but as soon as the ideas started to flow, uh, one, I will say one kind of nice thing that, um, that I have in my back pocket as an organizer is I also run the weekly ed chat for the state of Utah on Twitter. And so I kind of know the people who like to facilitate because they want to participate in the ed chat. And so as they come in, I know I can assign them to lead sessions because they're comfortable with it. So that kind of helps pretty early to identify people that, you know, are comfortable with that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it is, it's just a totally buffet. Like, we organized the first EdCamp Utah, and I had never even attended an EdCamp. We just thought, let's see what happens. You know, what's what's the worst that can happen is we don't have as many sessions as we thought we might. Mm -hmm. You know, we might have to offer less offerings just because we don't have enough help. But yeah. the reality for me has been once this thing kind of gets started, it's very organic. It really does kind of run itself. Like, there's a there's a stressful half hour in the morning. Because when when everyone's turned in their post-it notes, there is an organizing committee that's on the back end gathering up those notes and assigning sessions and, and uh, determining facilitators. So for about half an hour, there's a little bit of stress there. 
But once the day actually gets going and the sessions are running, boy, it's amazing how how quickly people kind of get into this format and, and enjoy it. And then what you find is the people who maybe were a little hesitant to facilitate a morning session, by lunchtime, they're saying, I'd be willing to do that in the afternoon now that I know kind of what it looks like and mm-hmm. feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just need that, they just need that little bit of um, what what's going to happen here as soon as they see that. Boy, I've had a ton of people who in the morning said no, but by afternoon are coming to me saying, oh, no, I, I thought it was a much bigger deal. Now I feel very comfortable. I'd be happy to do it. So, Jared, we jumped right into the topic of EdCamps without really learning a little bit about you and your background. How did you get come upon this EdCamp process? And, um, you know, what is your background in education that brings you to this point? Yeah. So, so my background in education is I started out as a high school language arts teacher. Um, that was about 20 years ago. I was, I was in the Granite School District, and I was the literary magazine advisor and the bas- one of the assistant basketball coaches and the PA announcer at all the sporting events and things like that. Loved it. Uh, eventually found my way into getting my master's in instructional technology and uh, educational design, kind of. So I got into the kind of the technology side of education. And I've spent the last 16 years working as a as a technology trainer for the Utah Education Network. Um, so my day job is that I go around and I teach uh, professional uh, workshops for K-12 teachers and pre-service teachers on how to integrate technology into the classroom. So I've, I've been doing that for a long time, and it's kind of interesting because when you look at these ed camps, they're actually kind of low-tech or no-tech. I mean, it's really just a chance to communicate and kind of share ideas with each other. And I, I came across this about, uh, it was probably 2014 when I came across this idea. I had seen some other states doing this, and I hadn't heard about anything going on in Utah. And uh, I just kind of threw out a feeler on Twitter and said, you know, I'd like to run an ed camp in Utah. Who wants to be a part of it? And within an hour, I had two people that said, yes, we want to be part of it. We want to be on the committee. We've been waiting for somebody to kind of throw this idea out there. And uh, after that, the ball just kind of started to roll until that was maybe in May of 2014. And by uh, October, we had Ed Camp Utah organized and ready to run. Do you find that when you pull the group together, that uh, tends to be mostly educators? Or do you see a wide mix? Do you have like coaches and administrators as well as teachers? What, what do you see as a group that, that ends up showing up at your organ, you know, kind of your sessions or your, your ed camp days? Yeah. So ed camp is kind of in partnership. Like these ed camps that we've run, um, maybe one more piece of background on me is that I also am on the board for the Utah Coalition for Educational Technology. So that's kind of a statewide um, organization that helps technology and education. So through that, we mostly are connecting with educators and coaches, right? So besides classroom teachers, we get quite a number of district coaches that come. Most of them are district technology coaches or kind of instructional technology coaches. And then we get less, but we get administrators that come as well. Um, but I would say if you were to break down our audience, it's probably 75% teacher, 20% coach, and 5% administrator. But and, and I should say in that teacher group, we've also been really lucky in the last few of these that we've run, 
that we're starting to see more pre-service teachers coming. Uh, the ed camp that we ran a few weeks ago in uh, Orem, Utah, had 15 students from Utah Valley University who were pre-service teachers that are just getting ready to do their student teaching. And they came, provided a great perspective for our teachers, as well as I think they got a lot out of it, too, by listening to the different uh, strategies and concerns that teachers who are currently teaching have. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, Jared, why is EdCamp a better professional learning opportunity than traditional professional development? Kind of like I mentioned earlier, I think the biggest difference between a traditional sit-and-get conference and an EdCamp is the audience is directly involved in the learning. Um, you know, so often we kind of rely on one expert who does the teaching and while that expert really may have some great strategies and may have, uh, you know, some wonderful experience, I really do believe in the wisdom of the crowd. You know, if we get a room with, you know, 20 teachers in it, there are some amazing things that each of us can share with each other about things that we've done or strategies that we've implemented. And that benefits everybody. And I just find that that style of learning is much more engaging for the teacher versus sitting and listening to one person do the talking. Knowing that I can share what I have or ask questions, it's much more of a conversation and a much more participatory than a traditional conference. And I love the idea, honestly, that somebody could come wanting to know about a topic and they know they can put that in, give that feedback to the, to the committee, and that will probably show up that day. In a traditional conference, people like me may kind of say, oh, this is what I think teachers want. But in this instance, it's really teachers telling us what they want. And I think that's a really empowering form of professional learning for teachers. Right. It really validates the experience that's already in existence with the people that uh, attend the ed camp. Um, yeah. What do you find uh, in your last ed camp or last couple of ed camps that you've done, what have you found to be the most compelling topics that people have been interested in? You know, we uh, specialize on our podcast and the little things that make a big difference in educational reform. And so I'm just curious to see what are educators most interested in. Um, I recently saw a list coming out of Learning Forward of the top 10 topics. And at their um, number one uh, was coaching and number two was culturally responsive pedagogy. Both of those surprised me a little bit, but I'm just wondering what your um, top two would be. Now, I'll say a couple things that I would definitely say because our audience tends to be people who are interested in technology because they're, they're kind of part of the chats and they're part of USET and some of these different things that I've mentioned. We get a lot of people who want to talk about how to implement tools sometimes. So like here in the state of Utah, a lot of teachers are really in the throes of implementing Canvas in their classrooms. So that's always a popular topic. And I will say that's kind of the technology side of things. As far as just uh, like different learning topics or different uh, teacher topics, a huge one that we've seen, a huge uptick in the last couple of years especially, has a lot to do with social and emotional learning, um, not only ways to deal with students, but also self-care for teachers. You know, a lot of teachers want to talk and kind of relate to each other about some of the different ways that they manage their workload so that they can have a life. And that's something that I think is really important that 
teachers want to talk about. Um, beyond that, there's a lot about standards. They want to talk about how to implement uh, state standards or national standards um, because they just want to hear how somebody else is doing it, right? So they kind of have their idea about how they teach the core or the different activities that they do to assess students. They want to hear what other people are doing. So those are all popular topics that I see routinely at ed camps. A number of people are not aware of ed camps uh, that may be listening in and uh, maybe haven't had a chance to visit one or to you know put one together. If you could give at least a brief review for someone that might be trying to get one going, what would be the advice you would give them? Like where would they turn? And then if if you could, just what would be some steps or advice you'd give them in trying to roll it out for the first time? Sure, you bet. I mean, the first thing that I would suggest is reach out to your professional learning network or your PLN to see what other people are doing. That's kind of how I started, right, is I had seen a little bit of information, I had read a little bit, and then I reached out to the people that I kind of connect with and just said, tell me about this. What do you guys all know about this? And so that gave me a foundation of support of people that not only knew a little bit about it, but also would be willing to participate and help. Um, of course, there's a national foundation called the EdCamp Foundation. Um, their website is edcamp.org, where there's a ton of information about how to start one of these from scratch. Uh, what are some of the things you need to think about? What are the timelines involved? I think the biggest thing for a lot of us is just kind of being willing to take that leap of faith because as, as we kind of talked about earlier, you know, it's a little scary to organize a conference where so much of the day's events are happening in the first hour, you know, so much of that is happening. But I think talking with other people about how they structure that and how they run that, that really helps to kind of align some fears and just kind of give people a, a sense of what needs to happen. Um, and here, if, if they're listening to the podcast locally in Utah, reach out to us at USET. You know, we would love to help and participate. Uh, as as Jim, you kind of mentioned earlier, that you guys, you and Tracy were kind of working on at camp, and we connected just to say, how can we help? You know, what can we do to be part of this? You'll find that there are a lot of organizations in your local area who have experience doing this, and they'd be happy to get involved and participate because I think, just like the conference is so grassroots in the way that we put together the conference, uh, the people who organize these really believe strongly in that uh, empowering, give everybody a voice, give everybody an opportunity to be part of things. So there's a lot of people who would be willing to help you when you get going. That's great. Um, will you tell us a little bit about the upcoming event? Because um, this will be airing before then, and so hopefully people who are interested can sign up to attend. You bet. So uh, the EdCamp of Utah will be held on November 2nd. It will be at Roland Hall. Roland Hall has an upper, an upper school and a lower school, so it'll be at the lower school. Uh, the address is approximately, uh, I think it's, what is it? It's on Garsden's Way. I apologize. I don't have the address in front of me. but um, You can find out more information about the location and if you want to register and attend. Um, the website where we host the information is the USET website. So it's uh, ucet.org slash edcamput. So ucet.org slash edcamput. And that has information. It's a free conference. 
one of the tenets of the EdCamp model is that the conferences should be free. So there's no registration costs. Uh, we actually have gotten uh, breakfast and lunch donated, so we will feed you as you come so you can have a great, fun, free day of professional learning. We would love to have you. If you want more information, again, uh, you can search that website I shared earlier or the hashtag uh, EdCampUT. So EdCampUtah would get you more information about the conference. We'd love to have some of your audience participate. We'd love to have them. That's great. Another question, um, uh, and I shouldn't maybe throw this out because you just got done advertising your program, but I'm kind of curious because I'm sure that you've had a chance to kind of learn from the work that you've done. And is there any surprises that as you went through that you were like, mm, boy, that I shouldn't have done that. That was something that should have been maybe handled a little differently. And and for whatever reason, it could have been maybe you had a facilitator that wasn't as strong. That maybe you've come up with a different screening or a way to to support them. Or so so give me just a sense about again those people who are trying to create their own app camp and their own communities. What what advice would you say? Like uh, I did this and this, and that's not something I would do again. I can give you a, a couple different things. So one thing that I would say to be aware of if you're organizing an EdCamp, because it's a free conference, you're going to have attrition from your registration numbers. Mm. So you're going to have, let's say, 100 people sign up. My experience has been that about 65% of those who sign up show up because there's no skin in the game, right? Yeah. They haven't paid a registration yeah. fee. So you need to be aware of that in the beginning. That has nothing to do with you or your organizing committee. That's simply the fact that you're providing something for free. Yeah. But that is a tenant of the EdCamp Foundation. So I think it's great that we don't charge. We just need to know that in advance that we're going to have attrition. Um, the other thing that I found worked really well is we kind of learned the process. So once people put down what they want to learn about on Post-it notes, it takes about 20 minutes to 30 minutes to organize the schedule. So you've got to have something for your participants to do during that time. So what we've tried to do is we've tried to procure just a local educational keynote to provide a message for that 20 to 30 minutes. You know, it's usually somebody who's in the classroom, whether it's uh, or in education. So they could be a classroom teacher or they could be uh, a building administrator. We've had uh, people from the state board of education, um, but just, just a way to kind of inspire the teachers and kind of get them excited while you're in the background doing all the work, right? You need yeah. that moment or two to organize the schedule. Um, the other thing that I would say that I've learned over doing this for a few years is really try and reach out and build a coalition of people that can help you. You can run an ed camp with just a couple of people, but I think the joy and the, the benefit of this style is the more people you get involved, I think it really does add to the experience because diversity of thought and this diversity of backgrounds, you know, the last ed camp we ran, we actually had representatives on our committee from four different school districts and they brought in people who could help and participate. So even though our organizing committee was maybe, uh, you know, seven people, we probably had volunteers and different people that, kind of brought our committee up to about 25 by the time it was all done. Nice. And, you know, those are just people who do little things like make sure that we post a sign by the, the rooms that we're going to be in the the schedule or mm -hmm. help us clean up, clean up 
you know, from lunch or breakfast or things like that. Mm -hmm. So all those things are great. The other thing I might just mention is um, prizes are encouraged. They're not required. Um, But if you can involve your local community to donate some items for the day, boy, that goes a long way as well. Uh, We try and involve a lot of the vendors who sell product to our schools. They can't come and like be a, have a vendor booth, but they can sponsor some of the event and we put their name on social media and give them all kinds of uh, accolades for the things that they've done. But by getting those sponsors, we have all these uh, fun little things that we can give teachers, you know, whether it's uh, a care package, you know, for every teacher that comes or uh, the last ed camp we had, uh, one of the local drink vendors donated soda and the flavor shot so that we could have, you know, a soda bar for everybody. Those little touches go a long way. So the more you can get your community involved, I think you'll find that it just adds to that uh, emotional benefit for teachers. Excellent. As we talked about the local one coming up on November 2nd, we did not talk about the time. So when would people show up and when would that 20, 30 minutes happen for the organizing? So uh, the conference registration opens uh, for people to check in at 8 a.m. For about the first half hour, we just have people eating breakfast and filling out the post-it notes and kind of just networking with their peers as they kind of meet people who are going to be there that day. The uh, the actual organizing of the schedule and the keynote typically happen, you know, about 8.30 and last until about 9. And then we jump right into sessions and sessions go... We usually have a block of sessions for our morning block where we have three sessions. Uh, each last about 30 minutes with about 15 minutes of um, kind of travel time in between sessions. Um, and then we have lunch and then we do the same thing again in the afternoon where we have uh, during the lunch time where people are eating, we kind of make some slight modifications to the schedule based upon what we heard in the morning, right? If people said, oh, I really like this session, but we didn't get enough. Can we do another one? Um, we can very easily make those kind of changes at lunch for the afternoon session. So the day lasts from about 8 until about 3. Excellent. Is there anything else you think that we should know before we wrap up? Just You know, the biggest thing that I would encourage anybody is if you have any kind of a desire to be a part of this, try it. You know, I know that it can be a little bit scary to do something that's a little bit different from your from what you're used to. But I will say that that's where real educational reform happens, when people are willing to try new things and, you know, put their put their faith in other people to see what they'll come up with. And I just find that when we give educators a chance to learn and grow with each other, they love it. So I've, I've often thought, even though it's a little scary every year when you get there and there's nothing on the postage yet, by the end of the day, everyone walks away. I can't tell you the number of great comments we've had where, I've heard people say, man, I wish we did this during our faculty meetings, or I wish we had our PD in our buildings this way, because it's such a way to be responsive to the learning needs of the people who are involved. So I just encourage everybody to get involved. Try one. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jared. So just to kind of remind our listeners as well, uh, if you are interested in setting up an EdCamp for yourself, you can visit the EdCamp Foundation at edcamp.org. And then we look at our local uh, Utah um, EdCamp is coming up November 2nd. And you can check that out by going online at ucet.org slash 
EdCampUT, and it'll run from 8 to 3 o'clock, and the more the merrier. It just helps us all learn that much more. Anything else, Jim? No, that's it. Jared, thank you so much for your wisdom and insights about EdCamps, and I'm looking forward to attending. Appreciate you guys having me on. Look forward to seeing you at the EdCamps. Thanks so much, Jared. Have a good Saturday. Okay, you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.